Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name's Colin Waitzman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And this is one that, that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, today we have Paul Doyle as our, our guest on the show. Uh, you might have heard his name from being one of the, the biggest agents in, in track and fields, representing some, some big names like uh, Sandy Morris, Ryan Krauser, uh, Devin Allen, the list goes on and on, uh, just uh, just a few uh, to name, as well as the the founder of the American Track League, which uh, if you're a track fanatic like myself, you probably watched this indoor season and was definitely a treat. But Paul, thanks for, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. No, absolutely. Good to be on and thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. Well, uh, first wanted to, to get into kind of your origin story with, with track and field. You've, you've been involved with the sport for, for a long time. How was it that you founded this or, you know, just got start, got involved with the running community as a whole? Oh boy. Well, I was a, uh, you know, an athlete myself fell in love with track from, you know, when I was in middle school, actually, I remember watching my friends, big brother do high school track and being impressed with the hurdles and stuff like that. So I got intrigued by track and became an athlete. I had no talent whatsoever, um, but still did it in college and did okay. And did decathlon because I loved all the different events and that sort of thing, but uh, became a coach shortly after that. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that was uh, uh, fueled by my lack of talent. I had to learn more about the events to get better at them. <laughs> so um, you know, became a, became an athlete and became a coach and, uh, was coaching a bunch of athletes, uh, on the elite level back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, a couple of them needed management help. So I said, hey, I'll be a manager too, and became an agent. And that just grew into being more and more involved in the sport. And, um, mm. so sort of the genesis of the American track league came from ideas I had as far back as 1999, making the sport more presentable and more interesting, more exciting. Um, you know, in this past year in a pandemic year, it's been tough to, to do things without fans, but at the same time, I think we were, we were able to pull off uh, some pretty great meets and get great exposure um, for the sport, which is, which is really big. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it's kind of similar thing. So I was a, a ran track my, myself, obviously not, not the greatest <laughs> originally mm -hmm. wanted to get into, uh, to the coaching field saying, Hey, if I, if I'm not going to be the one that's, you know, winning all these, these championships or, or doing all this, all this stuff, Hey, maybe, maybe I can, you know, kind of help some, some people out here, uh, in the yeah. coaching field. And we'll, we'll see if that, that ever, that ever comes about, but, um, Very good. so yeah. you, you've, come to represent, you know, some of, some of the largest names in, in track and field on the, you know, for whether they're international or, or, or nationally here in the, the United yeah. States. Um, what got, yeah, what got you into wanting to, to go down that route uh, of being, you know, being an agent and how, yeah, how was it that you, you got started to, you know, being representing some of these, these larger names in our sport? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it just, uh, kind of grew naturally. I never set out and said, Hey, I want to be a, an agent for track and field athletes. That was never really the intention. I uh, was coaching this athlete, Peter Coughlin. He was a 
a hurdler from just out of Yale University from Ireland. And um, it wasn't quite good enough for a lot of uh, a lot of the top agents to be interested in. So he had nobody working with him. So I said, well, hey, I'll try and figure this out for you. It can't be rocket science, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, I tried, I pretty passionately dove into it with him. And uh, after the first year, we signed him to a quote unquote real agent. And I was just back to coaching. And then I had a handful of athletes the next year that needed help with on the agent side as well. And I sort of set out saying, hey, this might be a good way for me to travel with the athletes that I'm coaching is if I also represent some athletes. So I started doing that. And within, you know, that was back in 2000, 1999, 2000. And, uh, you know, it just grew from there. Next thing you know, I had 25, 30 athletes and all of a sudden coaching had to become a hobby <laughs> and the agency took over. How is it? Yeah. How is it that you're, you're developing your time? I mean, right now you're, you're, from the outside, it seems like you're stretched pretty thin where you have a lot of these athletes that I'm sure your phone's getting blasted every day trying to say, hey, what meets am I competing in? What's the sponsor saying? Blah, blah, blah. And then also on top of this, you're, you're now running a, a league that is you know, broadcasted on, on ESPN. Uh, how, like, what does your day-to-day look like uh, within the past, I guess, three, four months um, you know, when you've been really in the heat of things? Well, no, I mean, no two do, no two days are the same, um, and that's just the surface of what what we've got going on. We've got a lot of other things going on. So, I, I've got a great staff around me that helps out. Um, Jeff Hartwig and, and Robbie Hughes and Jordan Manicone, and then Brian Fetzer on the American Track League side. So, I've got a great group of people working with me that that help support. But uh, Ryan Krauser claims that I have a certain gene where I lack sleep. You know, I don't have the need for sleep and it can still function. So, yeah, I've got one of these Fitbits that monitors my sleep and it's pretty, pretty pathetic when you look at that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, you know, I stay busy and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've got a passion for the sport and uh, I had a call late last night with with an athlete that had, you know, not an athlete I represent, just an athlete that had questions about the track league and about the direction of the sport. and and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, I, I feel, I said to him, honestly, I said, I want the sport of track and field to be a sport that I'm not embarrassed to be associated with. And I think the way things have been lately is that it's, you know, the sport has been deteriorating quite a bit over the past decades, as far as exposure and funds. I mean, you look at the, the prize money in the sport, has not only gone down, but when you factor in inflation, it's gone down tremendously. And, you know, we're a sport that back in the Carl Lewis days was, you know, thriving uh, to an extent and very popular. And that's just sort of deteriorated with all the uh, lack of exposure and the, the a lot more competitive sporting events that are out there. So, you know, we have to, uh, we have to, we have to do better yeah. as a sport. Yeah, I think, like, so that's something that I've, I really wanted to see, to see change. So I, I, I've really been loving track and feel ever since I, I started doing it. Funny, I originally was a baseball guy that got cut from a seventh grade team. Still to this day, I think it was politics. I didn't make it, yeah. but might've been the best thing for me. And yeah, now seeing track and field, um, I think we're in a weird time frame because we're just coming off of 
the Usain Bolt era, I guess you could say, where mm-hmm. our track and field, where you could ask, hey, who's named two track and field athletes that are currently competing as of 2015? It was Usain Bolt, and I, I don't know. <laughs> that, it's yeah. It. yeah. But nowadays, it seems like there's a lot more names that are vying to be big time players in the, you know, the, the name of track and field. And, and it mm-hmm. seems like it's while no one's at the Usain Bolt level where everyone knows them in the world, there's a lot of yeah. athletes that are, you know, kind of in that space where maybe it'll be more of a team effort and, and hopefully brings that prize money up for, for mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, how do you think this new era of track and field that we're going into um, will play into, you know, growing the sport as a whole? Yeah, it's interesting because the media landscape is changing tremendously. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, the, the bottom line is why was Usain Bolt popular? He got exposure. And any time the sport got exposure, anytime the Olympics were on, which is the peak of the exposure of our sport, it was all about Usain Bolt, you know? So he became wildly popular as a result of that. And the sport of track has gone on a lot of times onto streaming platforms and and less less viewed television stations and and whatnot and that's a big problem i mean you you look back at um wimbledon we follow wimbledon as an example right so the wimbledon tennis tournament was on bbc forever it's always on their british broadcast channel that's that's um in basically every single home in the uk and and broadcast globally they their deal was up with the bbc and sky sports was coming in to make them an offer and sky sports offered wimbledon three times the amount of money that the bbc was paying them and they rejected it and turned it down and said no if we go to sky sports we'll have 10 percent of the exposure uh and we won't be able to get the sponsors that we had and and things like that so they stayed with bbc and they stayed relevant i think track and field has done the opposite you know, they said, oh, hey, here's a few bucks. Let's take that that money that makes virtually no impact on the sport, except it drops the exposure of the sport. So that's why what I felt was super important with the American Track League was uh, was being on ESPN and primarily on the main ESPN channel. And right before the Super Bowl and these different time frames that were, were really great on Sunday afternoons. So. You know, if you look at the viewership that we had uh, for our meets, each week improved by 18 to 20%. You know, we started off at 273,000 peak viewers in the first week and went up to 354 to 409 to 477. So we're developing a following, getting more and more people watching the sport. And, you know, I, I had athletes telling me, oh, I get direct messages on Instagram from from some kid at Penn State who was in the dining hall watching our meet. And he said he got everyone there cheering for me. You know, that doesn't happen if we're not on ESPN. You know, if we're on one of these streaming platforms or an NBC sports network that doesn't get nearly the exposure, you know, you have the true fans are going to come. The true fans are going to find it no matter what. If it's streaming, if it's on an obscure channel, they'll find it. But we're not reaching new fans unless we're on a platform like ESPN. That's something that I couldn't agree with more. Uh, I think that having the exposure of the sport, I think you have to do like 
kind of two things. Like first you need to grow your base. And before you, in, unless you have a small base, which I think track and field does now. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. If you want to make it so, Hey, now you got to pay all this extra money for, for streaming. Well, now you're not going to get the new people. You already have who you have, but once you start exactly. raising prices, your, your base is now, you know, kind of limited to where you have it. And I think yeah. that's one where I was. So I remember telling my mom before the American track league, like, Hey, we have a track and field event on ESPN Super Bowl Sunday, pretty but like right before these major, you know, sporting events going on. Yeah. She's like that. What? Like, that's never, okay. that's never happened. I'm like, I know. And like, I, I don't yeah. think it's by any, I, I don't think it's any, you know, stretch of, you know, the imagination. I think there's a point as to why, you know, it's going on during these times. Like yeah. when, when you were going into the, I guess whether the negotiation room or the, when you were going to talk to these executives at, at ESPN and you're saying mm -hmm. you're trying to find the best time to actually air, you know, this event, what was that looking like? Was it like a, you, you needed to be at this time or was it more flexible? Like how did that work when you're deciding when it was going to air? Uh, I wish I could tell you I was calling the shots, but I certainly wasn't. <laughs> we, were, we, were com we were completely at their liberty and, um, you know, they, they were trying to secure time slots for us at work. We had to be flexible. Initially, we were, had to be flexible with our dates. We were, we were originally going to be on Saturdays. They said, hey, Sundays are a lot more open. You know, it was a matter of, you know, if we choose the time slots, it could be on ESPN3 on the streaming. And then they said, oh, we'll play it, we'll play it tape delayed on, the, on ESPN. And I said, no, that doesn't work for us. I said, we need to be live. We need to, because, you know, non-live sporting events okay they're great for people that are busy and want to catch up and see the meet eventually but you know being live that nothing beats it so you know we just stayed persistent and and asked them for the for as much help as they could and you know super bowl sunday was a dream come true as far as the the time slot and everything you know being in that lead-in right up to the super bowl couldn't have been better you know and we had um Luckily, the guy in ESPN that, that I was dealing with is a big track fan. So he was really pushing for it and really trying to make it work. And, you know, he hats off to him for pushing it internally to make it happen. But, you know, the exposure we got and the viewing figures we got helped justify it for him. So he was thrilled after everything. He said, this is unbelievable on a Super Bowl Sunday to get this many viewers of the sport. So, you know, they were they were real happy about it, too. Oh yeah. It was, it was something that I definitely enjoyed watching and every, each week it kind of, it, it increased with getting, you know, better, better performances and, and, you know, really cool production and, and, and great events. So definitely something that was awesome to watch. And um, something that's interesting is this isn't the first, the first time American track league has been around. So for, for many people, I feel that might've been the first time they heard of American track league, but you have done something with American track league years before could you kind yeah. of talk about what you've like, what the origin story, I guess, was of, of the American track league and, and how it now came to be something, you know, what it was this past indoor season. Sure. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I had this idea for, it was, I called it the track and field festival um, back in 1999 and what it was, it was, um, it, we had live bands in there. We had cheerleaders, dancers, everything. We had fans coming out of the stands to hold blocks for the athletes and, and fan races and anything to engage the fans and all that. That was sort of the, the idea I had. Now, putting that stuff into play is not always easy, but we, we try and trickle some of that in each time each time we do things like the fan vote for, to put somebody into the final and stuff like that. But um, 
so yeah, back in you know 1999, I had this idea. Been thinking about putting it on for the longest time, and it was actually in 2013. Uh, Ash Neaton was going over to do the Gotsis Decathlon, the big decathlon over in in Austria, and um, he was he was wanting to do a meet on the East Coast before going to Austria. I said, "Oh, perfect! Come on into town." Um, actually, sorry. What? Well, yeah, come on into town, and there's a meet at Georgia Tech that you can do. And you can do that. And then we'll head on the plane over to Austria after that. And he said, oh, that sounds perfect. We said, let's do that. So they made the decision. Yeah, we're going to do that. I go and I look up on the schedule, the Georgia Tech meet. It was a week later than I thought it was. So there was no meet. So I said, oh, well, we already got this idea. I said, let's go ahead. We'll put on the meet ourselves. And that's what we did. So the very first meet was really to fill a void for, for Ashton Eaton that he wanted to have a meet on the East Coast. So we put that on. We brought in a live band and we said, Hey, this is, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and people loved it. So, you know, it just started growing from there. Then the next year we went ahead and we put on five meets throughout the U S. Uh, but again, these weren't, these weren't broadcast or in any way, shape or form, you know, back then it wasn't as common to have live stream and on everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So 2013, or sorry, 2014, we ended up having five meets uh, with prize money um 2015 we ended up having just a single meet and we broadcasted on flow track and then at that stage we were so far in the hole <laughs> from financial standpoint that uh that we had to sort of take a step back <clears throat> um you know and actually sorry 2016 we ended up putting on two meets that went, we were first time we went on ESPN and so we did two live shows leading into the Rio Olympics um had some great matchups in, in those. It was sort of, a, you know, Asafa Powell versus Andre de Grasse in the 100 meters, and then Clayton Murphy versus Matt Sensiewicz in the in the 1,000, the middle distance between the, the 8 and the, and the 15. So, you know, some great, great events there in 2016. And that was sort of what got us established with ESPN. So this year when I came calling them and, and asking them to put our meets on TV, uh, they remembered us, uh, Kathy Cook from ESPN, who is the one who put us on back in 2016. And she remembered us and put us in touch with the right people. And, you know, they, they gave us the green light right, uh, was it right before Christmas? To think this all got started from a, a misreading of the calendar <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. The, the American track league might not be what it is today. If you, yeah went back and read the calendar and saying, actually, it's the week after and yeah. said that the Georgia yeah. Tech meet is. So I guess yep. good that we, you know, started off on a, on a, a weird step, I guess you could yep. say. But yep. uh, so you've had a lot of pretty prominent athletes, many of them whom, whom you represent, but others that, that you're not representing participating, mm -hmm. that participated in this, uh, the indoor series of, of American Track League. What was their uh, reaction or response to having this meet where, you know, now we're you, prominently track has been much bigger over in other other countries internationally. And now this is, you know, one of the first times that you're having, you know, a meet with such large names on ESPN. I mean, what was what was their reaction to being able to to compete in this competition instead of having to go internationally like many of them have yeah. to do in during this time? 
I mean, I'm, I'm completely humbled by their reaction. They're all very thankful, you know, and, and, you know, I couldn't be more thankful to them. Like, Hey, we're, I'm trying to do something here with the sport. You guys are jumping on board, like the Trayvon Burmells and Fred Curley's and Allison Felix and Jenna Prandini's of the world, like coming into this and Nikki Hills and like all these athletes that quite honestly deserve a lot more, you know, are coming in and supporting this and, and they're, they're supporting it in such a way that they're super thankful too. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you know, so I'm humbled by that and the support has been unbelievable. Um, and, you know, they, they all want it to succeed. They want it to continue. Obviously they want to, they want to be a point where their athletes are earning money and making a very viable living out of this. And that's, that's my goal. I wouldn't be doing this if I, if I thought, down the road it's not possible to get this thing off the ground and get athletes paid I mean I I want athletes in this earning double what they earn in the diamond league that's my goal <laughs> you know I want I want this to to lift up the sport so that not only are athletes making more money in this but they're also getting the exposure and they're getting more sponsorship deals outside of com competition as well and quite honestly I think that's that's what's happening. That's that's what we achieved with this American Track League. We got exposure for the sport. We got the sport in the forefront of people's minds. And ultimately, I think that can lead to more revenue coming into the sport as a whole, not just American Track League, but as a whole. You know, I, I feel like, you know, this American Track League being on ESPN could bring in more sponsors for USA Track and Field. You know, mm -hmm. and so that that's the goal. I mean, we want to, we want to grow the pie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And it, it seems like it's a yeah, good, definitely a good way uh, of doing this. Uh, I know where you said you haven't had any news quite yet, but what, what's, what's the future of this thing for, for at least this, this outdoor year. I mean, this is a pretty big year, uh, Olympic year now, instead of that being last year, obviously. So now you're having, you know, athletes, I'm sure many of your athletes are, or almost all of them are, are probably getting, trying to get ready to either qualify for the Olympics, um, you know, win an Olympic medal or, or, you know, maybe, you know, set some Olympic records or, or anything else along the way. What does this outdoor season look like for the American Track League? I know that you said that, you know, you have, you're having stuff coming out later on, but I don't know if there's anything you could kind of shed a light on, on, you know, things we could potentially uh, see moving forward? Yeah, well, I, I guess uh, it is a little bit early to say, um, it, but we are planning on doing something this this outdoor season. Uh, I would put it right now at 75% chance of moving forward the way we hope, but for sure the American Track League goes on regardless. Um, we're already planning for 2022 indoor season as well, um, but we're hoping that we that we get the time slots on ESPN and can move forward with, you know, honestly, as many as eight to 10 meets this outdoor season. Um, you know, this pandemic has been made things challenging. You know, you look at the, the European indoor championships that were just held in Poland, they had 79 positive tests for COVID come out of those championships. So uh, it's not, it's not gone. <laughs> it's not, we're not over the hurdle completely yet. There's still a lot more we have to, have to take care of here, but uh, having more opportunities on U.S. soil is is a must. And you know, USA Track and Field ha has come up with their Journey to Gold series, which is outstanding. You know, it gives athletes opportunities in the U.S. where they can earn 
viable prize money and and whatnot. So it's it's really uh, it's really been uh, you know a great step up by them to to help make this happen. But I really feel American Track League is the way forward to really push the sport. So so we're going to keep pushing. We're gonna we're gonna hopefully secure these time slots with ESPN and be able to make an announcement very soon. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I, I was interested on your, your insight with on how do we get track and field in a broader sense into the, you know, the American space there. I mean, mo- many of our meets, you mentioned diamond league primarily over in Europe, many of the, the bigger championships and, and bigger meets are, are held over in Europe as well. Not, there's not very many meets that are going on in the United States and the, and the ones that are big, like the, the Penn relays or the Texas relays prefontaine classic, many of those meets are primarily for college athletes uh, yeah, you do have some individual athletes, but a lot of the, the focus there are college and, and high school and lower. How can you, how do you think track and field can get into the American space? Cause I know me as a fan, I'm like, I want to go to see the best athletes in the world compete, but I can't afford to go fly over to, to Oslo to, to watch them, to do that. Right. How do yeah. we get the, you know, the biggest athletes in, in the, in the United States, especially and, and the world competing here and there on their home soil? Well, I, I think we've got the opportunity to do it for sure, but it, it's, it all starts from exposure in, in these partnerships with ESPN and then partnerships with brands that are going to support it. You know, getting these, athlete, these meets on ESPN was one thing, but getting the meets funded to a point where the athletes are making a viable living is another and getting sponsors on board is essential, but it's a, it's a chicken or the egg situation, you know, so we had to take the risk and take the chance and spend the money to get these meets on TV and then the sponsors should come. So we're actually in talks with a lot of big companies about sponsoring the American track league. Um, so I feel like we're, we're definitely well on our way in, in that sense. So, you know, I think if we get this call uh, this week and get these time slots confirmed with ESPN and we have about a half dozen potential sponsors lined up. So I think, all of a sudden we will be uh, a very viable self-sustaining entity um, honestly for the first time. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've been uh, quite, quite a bit in the red from day one of the American track league. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still keep pursuing it because I, I believe in the concept and I believe in what the future holds. And, you know, ultimately I have this whole plan to have clubs developed in different cities Um that would each host a meet and, you know, bring, have a draft with athletes and the team concept and that sort of thing. So I, I think ultimately we can get there. Um, but it's not something that's, uh, that's going to happen overnight. I mean, we're talking, you know, the athletes that are competing now probably won't be a part of it. <laughs> you know, the team concept, it's going to take seven to 10 years to really develop that. Uh, but ultimately that's what, that's what we hope to do. And we want to start establishing, American track league kids clubs in different cities and then having a senior club that's the professional club and different athletes are signed to that professional club and even potentially uh, having facilities and training bases for athletes that are all attached to the American track league. Oh yeah. That that's something that I'm, I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, I think the team component is, is something that, while I, it, I think it can be, ver- it'll be very difficult to get off 
the rail because you have to you have to first have people have allegiance to to the teams like if you if you for them for the average fan if you just say yeah you you live in philadelphia here's the the philadelphia you know runner lightning bolts whatever it is yeah average fans gonna be like and why why should i care (laughs) about who these athletes are i don't know who they are but i think once the if you can develop those clubs and you can develop a fandom it can be something that's really special and, and exciting i mean there are yeah. people that get tattoos of their favorite football teams on their on their bodies because of yeah. their fandom. So, you know, it, yeah. can, be, it can become pretty special. Um, mm. I mean, so you mentioned that that's, you know, a, a dream of yours. How mm. how do we uh, you know, how do we get there? I mean, I know you, you said that you're looking for something this year. Um, you know, hope, hopefully you'll have some news coming out shortly. But then what does it look like, you know, for the next maybe in, in between the time of one year and 10 years like what i mean how what's that transition actually look like where you know in the, in the four to five year mark there yeah it's, it's a process we bite off a little bit more every year <laughs> you know that's the that's the goal so i think we get this going for 2021 outdoor season 2022 indoor season we have more meets on tv that you start to get brand recognition then all of a sudden we start to develop a couple clubs in different cities and and it just grows from there um you know, it's, it's going to be a step up and it's going to take some, a lot of investment, uh, both financially and, and with sweat equity as well. We're going to have a lot of passionate people that are, that are getting on board and, and, and helping support and, and working their butts off to make it happen, to be honest. So, but I, I think it's, I think it's doable. And I think there's enough passionate people about the sport to get involved, um, that we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And then, so kind of turning the, the page a little bit, uh, something that was that I really enjoyed watching was the, I guess, the, the hour long show that was on ESPN a few a few weeks ago at this time with with Devin Allen uh, talking yeah. about the, the world's greatest. And he's someone yeah. that that you represent. And it was it was really cool. Uh, there was some good, good sound bites of what no free ads, some some stuff like that. Just really good, good you know, commentary, you know, going back and forth. Um, yeah. Could you kind of touch on, you know, what world's greatest world's greatest is and, and how, you know, Devin's now showing that he's not only an athlete and not only a football player as well, but yeah. also, you know, he can add this interesting color commentary. I mean, how, how has that helped grow? You know, what's, what's going on over here in track? Yeah. Funny enough, there's a message from Devin right there. <laughs> you see that? Um, no, world's greatest is a really cool concept, a media platform, uh, that, that was started basically by athletes for athletes. So the whole idea is, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in the media of the sport. There's a lot of interest in the athletes and how do we utilize that, that interest in that, those media dollars to put money in athletes pockets. So that's what world's greatest does. They're, they're basically creating a platform for athletes and, and, um, generating revenue that can go to athletes and promote the sport not just track and field but all olympic sports and um you know and and ultimately get athletes paid for for doing things so yeah that the whole that highlight show basically came about because when when we had initially talked with espn we also talked about well when they canceled the u.s indoors that maybe we wanted to put on a meet at on that last week as well the the 21st when the u.s indoors was supposed to be on mm-hmm. so espn had actually been holding that spot for us and then the week before we were trying to um not uh interfere with the 
Boston meet that was actually held in Newark. So we said, well, it didn't make sense to split athletes between two meets on the same weekend. And that last weekend was now open. So I said to ESPN, I said, hey, can we move to that last meet, that last week that you guys have been holding for us? And they said, yeah, we have no problem with that. The only problem we have is we didn't want to lose the meet the week before. And I said, okay, well, I, I don't think, I knew financially we weren't in a position to have an extra meet. We were already spread pretty thin on that. Um, so I said, hey, we've got all this, all the, everything that's been shot. How about we do a highlight show on that fourth week? And they loved that idea. So yeah, let's do that, <laughs> you know, sort of. So, uh, you know, we got two big ESPN personalities, Kenny Maine and John Anderson involved in it. And Devin Allen is a charismatic, uh, funny guy that has good banter with those guys. So we said, hey, let's put them all in the basement and watch the meets and talk about the, the sport and interview athletes and, and whatnot. It was it ended up being really cool, I think. Yeah, it was it was a nice little change of pace. And it's something that I'd said at the time, I remember watching, it was a couple of weeks before, it was, I guess, a, the, my episode right before it got announced of, of mm -hmm. that this was going on. I was like, I, I want to see more backstory on, on some of these athletes. And then it's mm -hmm. like, I was, I was like, man, I swear somebody's listening to this because, because it was like the next yeah. day. So I'm like, oh yeah, people are listening <laughs> to what I'm saying. They know I, this is what I wanted. They're like, okay, Colin, you got it. We're doing a backstory of yeah. what some of the, you know, the, the world's greatest, you know, athletes that are, you know, competing here and, and broadcasting mm -hmm. their stories. So it was, yeah. uh, it, it was a pretty, pretty interesting timing. And then yeah. you know, looking, looking back at this, you know, I guess your first rendition of, of this America, the American track league series, what were some, some difficulties and, and things that you learned that you're, you're going to be taking into this, you know, this, the second season that you're having here, um, I know that it started off a, a little, a little rough and then around uh, it started, you know, really improved each, each week, but you know, what are some things that you learned during this first process that you're going to be able to take on, you know, the rest of this way? Oh, so much. <laughs> I mean, uh, the one thing, you know, is that these, uh, nothing ever goes exactly as to plan, <laughs> you know, but so you just have to be nimble and ready to make changes on the fly. Um, obviously you try and prevent them as much as possible in advance, but, uh, you know, you have to, you have to really be ready to make, as I say, make changes on the fly. And all of a sudden you have a positive COVID test and you're losing stars of different events. And, you know, maybe we have to shift something out of the TV window and shift something in those sorts of things. Um, but I, you know, I have learned also on the production side, we've got to be buttoned up well in advance, um, you know, make sure we have the best crews available and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, there's certain areas you can cut costs in and there's other areas you definitely can't. So making sure that we're point with all that, um, you know, days before the first American track league, I was, I was distraught. I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if we can pull this off, but in the end, everything always comes together, uh, to an extent. So you just got to prepare and be ready for it. And, you know, the one thing that I've always, uh, I've always been very much a control freak, <laughs> which is when you have too much going on, you can't, uh, you can't be a control freak. You have to, there's only 24 hours in a day. So um, you got to make sure that you, you trust in people. And I, I feel like there's a lot of people that really want to help this sport. And, you know, I've got to be open to bringing more people in that, that want to help and, and be okay with that. So. Yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, it was a. Uh... It was great seeing the the production line, uh, you know, change, and it, I, you had a lot of help from a lot of great athletes that put on some awesome performances. You had, you mm-hmm. know, world records, you had, Amer- you had American records, national records, tons of personal bests. So overall, um, excited for it. But um, Paul, thanks for for joining us today. Uh, learned a lot about American Track League and 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 your story, you know, here in track. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds uh, for the sport. But where could people go if they wanted to learn a little more about you or, or American Track League uh, as a whole? Uh, I'd say follow our social channels because we'll be making announcements very quickly. So at American Track on Instagram and Twitter and then uh, americantrackleague.com is our website that will be completely revamped very soon. Um, so all new information will be there as well. Awesome. Thank you, Paul, for for joining us today. And and thank you to everyone that's listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, If you want some more content from us, you can go and follow us on Instagram at Track World News. Uh, We post content over there all the time, as well as new breaking news. Uh, Have a good one. And before we go, make sure that you leave us uh, a rating, review, uh, and subscribe. Really helps us know that you're, you're enjoying what's going on. Have a good one. and Bye. I'm not going to be able to do that.